Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe, Lewis Goldberg, and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today is a very special episode. It marks the 150th episode of The Green Rush. Hosts Ann and Nick sit down with guest host Phil Carlson, Managing Director of Investor Relations for KCSA. CSA Strategic Communications for a roundtable discussion of the trends and challenges facing the cannabis industry. The conversations include a look at the effects of COVID-19 on the cannabis industry, including supply chain issues and its effects on mergers and acquisitions. They also touch on the upcoming elections and the growing international cannabis markets in Europe, South America, and Australia. We'll also take a look at our host's favorite moments from the show over the previous 149 episodes. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners for three years of listening. So don't sit back, lean forward and enjoy. Welcome to the 150th episode of The Green Rush. Um, We are so excited. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, As Shay said, this is a really special episode. Um, Today we have a roundtable that includes some familiar voices from The Green Rush. Nick Opich. Hey, hey, hey. Phil Carlson. From the basement. All right. You're a Bills fan. You get it. get it. Um, so we kind of figured that, uh, we just kind of threw some topics on a page, um, and figured we would just let the conversation kind of flow. It's been a really funky year to say the least. Um, so let's jump right into it. Um, I think in terms of trends for 2020, um, COVID-19 is the trend for every industry right now, right? <laughs> Never heard of um, it. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's, uh... yeah it's, a, it's a bad cold. You guys should really be careful. Um, so I think there's been a couple of interesting things that have that have affected the the cannabis industry. Um, the fact that it was both deemed an essential service yet left out of any bailout help um, were two things that, that heavily impacted the industry, both positively and negatively. So, um, I don't know, Nick, what do you, what do you think about the impact of COVID on the industry? I mean, I I think, you know, when you're talking about the essential service with the getting that designation, it really kind of shot more of the toothpaste out of the, the, the toothpaste bottle, you know, and that's something that's not going to get put back in. Um, it showed that, you know, in those recreational States, just how critical, Um, cannabis has become to the everyday lives of people. You saw it in in Michigan and Illinois in particular, where it wasn't just that they, you know, they, they went legal this year. It's, it's become a regular ingrained part of these people's everyday lives. So when you saw COVID, um, come out, they weren't going to let that happen where they were, they weren't going to be able to get it. So you saw the stores, um, you know, figuring out ways to get around people having to come in with the, the, uh, ability to do drop-off service or, um, yeah, curbside pickup, you got delivery going. So you saw all that happen. And, you know, when you look at like what states like Massachusetts did, where they, they didn't deem it an essential service, the citizenry really uh, got angry about it. Like Massachusetts has its own deal with uh, a lot of the, the cannabis problems that have been going on up there, but you know, those people fought 
uh, tooth and nail to get it back into their daily lives. And so um, I think a lot of states that are now going to be voting on it this year or have seen the success and how much that can help their, their, their uh, tax base that's been really affected this year. So, uh, you know, while COVID has hurt a lot of other industries, it's really magnified how big of a role cannabis can play, I think. Yeah, I agree with you, Nick. Um, you know, look at California. Like they really implemented that curbside pickup and the delivery and, you know, they did, according to recent reports, they did, California did $348 million in revenues for the month of July and is on track to do $4 billion for the year. So, you know, that's not, those aren't small numbers. Yeah, and then, well, in talking about the the, the, the stimulus checks that everybody received, um, I think we, we were talking with one of our guests over the summer, and, and it's like, that money uh, is what a lot of people spent they spent that money on cannabis in order to be able to keep themselves sane in there. And so, you know, when people have the ability to spend money on it, they're, they're going and getting their cannabis. Uh, so speaking of money, um, I mean, they were left out of um, the, the PPP and, and any, any form of protection that was afforded by, you know, to, to any other business um, qualifying business in the U S um, do we think that they're going to get, um, get included in the next round? Um, it seems that Congress has completely stalled, but, uh, but, but no. do we think this will happen and do we think it'll happen before the election? No, I don't. I really don't. There's too much, every, there's too much division. Right. And mm -hmm. it's, it, that's not going to get passed right now. I think we, we need to get through November here. <laughs> well, maybe even into <laughs> February or March of next year, just depending on what happens. But, um, yeah, I don't think that's gonna you're not gonna see any change on the political side for this well and we'll we'll talk about politics in in a little bit but you know in terms of um the the hardcore effects on the industry um we're starting to see the supply chain um the ripple effects of that um you know stuff that was you know um on a boat let's say um you know as as we talked with uh with kyle from clever leaves um you know stuff like that is getting stalled there's a, a lawsuit um you know uh in i think it was Canada that was announced yesterday um, over supply chain disputes. So, I mean, these effects are going to affect the industry, um, you know, for the for the long term. So, you know, while we may be through the initial phase of this crisis, um, it, it, those effects are going to be felt and they're going to be felt by the shareholders. Phil, what's your what's your take there? Yeah, no, I agree. It's in it, this is larger than just cannabis, right? There you're going to see the supply chains be hampered for a while, you know, and this can all go back to, to capital that, you know, that a lot of these guys have, um, you know, COVID's had a, a, a big effect on, on a number of these guys and Viridian Capital came out with a, a report um, earlier this week. And, you know, they were just looking at some of the deals that have happened, um, you know, month over month transactions, are down 27%. Capital raise is down 44%. The average raise is down 24%, you know? Um, so it, it's going to take some time year over year down 55%. Um, total capital raised year over year, 76%. Average raise is down 47%. So it's definitely impacting, you know, public companies, but also impacting uh, private companies as well. And let's talk about the, the consumer side of it. So, um, you know, we joke that, you know, we don't even joke. Alcohol consumption is up. I mean, 
personally <laughs> across the board, it's definitely up. No, um, no, 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 no. Yeah, well, no? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, not up? It is. It is. I made it a point to not have any alcohol for the first two months of COVID, but I, my, wow. I, I did go through about a year and a half of edibles in the first like six weeks. So <laughs> I, I guess it was up. So I guess that goes to my other point is weed consumer spending higher during COVID. And do we think that this is part of kind of the merger of um, the the medical user and the adult use user, um, you know, are are we seeing an increase in people turning to cannabis for things like anxiety, um, insomnia, depression? Um, you know, while uh, you know it could be just someone going in and buying a couple of edibles in in California, the fact that they may not be using it for recreation purposes um, is really interesting. And so, do we think that that's going to play a role um, in consumption patterns moving forward? Yeah, you know, I think what we're seeing is that even though some of the markets are still slow, the, the cannabis consumer and their preferences are continuing to mature. And now that we have, you know, people largely indoors, or if they are going outdoors, they're on their own, they're, they're putting themselves in safe environments, they're more willing to try cannabis. And that goes from, you know, the younger user to the older user. You know, they have a lot of time, they're in their homes, they need something to do. Um, they don't want to drink alcohol all the time because it'll actually screw up your liver. It'll actually, you know, make your body worse where cannabis is, is something that's just not going to do that. And so I think what we've seen is that, you know, consumer preferences are maturing. People are exploring beyond just the, the flower products. They want more beverages. They want more um, different types of gummies or chocolates and stuff like that. They want to try new stuff. And so, um, yeah, I think that's going to, you know, like I was making the point before that, you know, people are, are making this an essential part of their daily life. And I think COVID is, is, you know, adding to that. And I think it's something that's not going to slow down. If anything, you know, I think we could still see alcohol consumption continue to drop um, once people are able to get beyond this, um, but they're still going to be wanting to get more cannabis. We're going to see that number just keep going up. But yeah, during COVID, the New Frontier had a report out stating that consumer spending is up 23%, um, you know, and from Q1 2019, flour and edibles have increased in average transaction size, 71% and 56%, which has increased their market share five and 3% uh, for both. So it's definitely increasing the, you know, the adult use uh, customer is, um, you know, I, I, I feel that once people become more comfortable and realize it's not devil's lettuce, then, you know, it, 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 it'll become more, um, accept, more accepted. How excited are you for uh, the new dispensaries opening up in New Jersey? I can't get into them. So I, I don't know. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I am don't excited. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Don't you qualify? Get a medical card. I know. I know. No, I'll just continue to go to Vegas in LA, but, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I am looking forward and, to and and legally consume them in those states. And exactly, that's right. Yeah, I was I was in Vegas for the first four weeks of uh, COVID. No, uh, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, you know, I, to be honest, I, with the election coming up, in it's on the ballot here in New Jersey, and I I do hope that uh, people get out and, and vote. And you know, I don't know what the numbers are, what the, what it's pulling at, but. Uh, I, I would hope, I would like to think that um, it'll pass and it, it, the state needs the revenue. So get out and vote. 
what I'm what I'm seeing is uh, 68% of respondents in New Jersey strongly or somewhat support legalization. So I think you're, I think you're pretty safe there. 60. All right, that's up. It was like 54% like at the beginning of the year. I think those are all Murphy's uh, people. Bill, go knock on doors, man. <laughs> I, I know. Well, I, yeah. and social distance, of course, <laughs> with your mask. Just use like a rake and knock on people. God, you'll look right. like such a creeper with your rake and your mask. <laughs> Vote for cannabis. Happy Halloween. Vote for cannabis. <laughs> Well, okay. So, you know, great segue, even though I know you didn't mean it, um, into the election. Um, you know, the democratic platform, uh, well, the Democrats, you know, picked a guy who was, who has not traditionally been good on cannabis at all. Um, you know, it was left off of the democratic platform, which we all kind of know that platforms are bullshit. Um, but you know, I, I think setting Joe Biden aside for a moment, um, and looking at, uh, Kamala Harris, um, you know, Chris Crane from Forefront, um, our, our awesome client, actually did uh, wrote two really interesting pieces in Forbes, um, kind of on both sides of the issue. So why a VP Harris would be good for cannabis and why a VP Harris would be bad for cannabis. So on the good side of it, um, you know, it does seem like she has um, turned a corner Regardless of her past as a prosecutor, um, with a history that is really antithetical to the movement, she's she, she seems cop, to have shifted. Right? She, she seems to have she was a prosecutor. Oh, she yeah, seems yeah. to have shifted as a senator. Um, she was a lead sponsor um, in the Senate of the uh, of the Moore Act. Um, she was the original co-sponsor of Cory Booker's Marijuana Justice Act. So. Um, I'm trying to be optimistic um, in a world where there's not much to be optimistic about, but I'm hoping that she's truly evolved and changed with the times, regardless of her reasons. Um, she's more progressive on this issue than Biden, although they seem to both believe in record expungement, which is good. Um, but I do, I do hope she drags him forward, and I hope that that the the Kamala Harris, the Kamala Harris of of now is going to be the one who. Um, kind of takes cannabis to the next level versus the the Harris of 15 years ago. And Nick, yeah, we, why is she going to be bad for cannabis? I mean, as Phil said, it she's a cop. Um, you know, there it's it's hard to look at Kamala Harris as you know the quote unquote great reformer when it's going to come to cannabis. She she switched her position when it became you know uh, politically just better for her to do that. Um, you know, she's laughed at the question about how she used to smoke pot, even though, you know, she, she used to put people in jail for the same offense. And I think realistically, when you look at it, the DNC did not include cannabis in their platform. And Kamala Harris was, has been a key figure for a long time. So I think if she um, really wanted to use her position to, you know, advance some kind of cannabis reform, she would have been more loudly outspoken about making sure that that was part of the DNC platform. And I think just overall, the Democrats are very unsure of where they actually land on this issue. Cause you see Chuck Schumer's tweeting about if you want legalized cannabis, or if you want decriminalized cannabis, vote for the Democrats. And then you have Hakeem Jeffries, the representative here from New York being like, you know, cannabis is not coming up at, at any of our internal conversations. It's on the back burner in, ter in terms of, you know, overall, uh, you know, legislative priorities. And, that just doesn't give me hope that, you know, uh, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden ticket is going to actually push this over the line. I think what's more realistic um, is that we're going to see something closer to um, the way the federal government operated under Obama with the Cole memo kind of being reinstated, 
leaving it up to the states to decide, you know, how do they want to legalize? You may see, you know, some decriminalization, maybe a rescheduling, which is obviously great progress, but it's not going to be, you know, the big overarching, you know, here's how we're going to end prohibition on cannabis. And so, you know, I think it's going to be left to the states. And I think that's going to continue to drag out the fight because you're going to have states like New York that haven't legalized yet, even though there's overwhelming support for it, that want to have this question of how do we, you know, repair um, the social justice aspect of this when it comes to people that have been wrongly affected by the war on drugs for so many years. And I don't think that's an easy question for the Democrats to answer. And so I think when you leave it up to the states, which is most likely going to happen, you're not going to see a ton of progress. And so I just don't see that there's going to be overarching legalization under uh, Biden-Harris. Phil, in terms of the the, the Trump position, is, is traditionally he's kind of punted on it. Um, but we are at the point where it is it is popular across uh, across the political spectrum, both Democrats and Republicans. This is a, a, an issue that everyone agrees on for the most part, or the majority agree on. Um, so this could be Donald Trump's issue if he wanted it. Um, why do you think he hasn't made any kind of move? Do you think it's just um, very low on the totem pole? Is it he doesn't care? He doesn't win one way or another on this. Um, you know, it's and it wasn't like part of his platform either. Um, you know, I, I we've remember like a couple of years ago we heard from former clients who were stating that they knew people that were in the White House and they could see if it was getting close to the end and um, or getting close to the election and Trump needed the additional vote that he would just legalize cannabis. You know, we were hearing all sorts of... We were so naive. We were like, oh, it's <laughs> We're so happen. cute. We're so cute. I know. Pretty bird. <laughs> the October surprise, bird, I think, Louis. Bird. I think Louis uh, yeah, had called it. Yeah, that was 2018, yeah. 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 October yeah. Surprise. Oh, that was 2018. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> What year yeah. is it? I'm just kidding. I don't um, even know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, you know, he's not going to do anything. I think no matter who wins um, in November, December, January, February, um, I, I don't think anybody's going to budge on it. I think it's going to be a few years from now. And I think they're just going to let the states decide on it. And, you know, like, like it happened with, uh, was it women's rights? You know, when, when it got to a certain certain uh percentage of states or was it alcohol i can't remember what the which what the actual i like how prohibition and and the Women's suffrage rights. movement are, well, no, are, I are one in phil's brain no 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 no, no. but it was it was like both <laughs> was it i do remember a stat where it came up like that i'm just gonna let you keep talking Go. We, we can edit this part out though right um <laughs> no this is staying, nope. this is staying, staying in it stays in <laughs> Just keep Booze and babes. That's going to be your new podcast. Though. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but well, we um, do talk later. I can I can throw you a line if you'd like me to. Yeah, yeah, that works. Um, well, okay, great. So I got one more point on this. The only thing that I think that could be interesting to watch for Trump is how he's doing in Arizona, since that's going to have your home uh, state, my baby. home state. Yeah, they're they're going to be voting for the second time to try and legalize uh, cannabis. The last time, I think it was twenty. Um, 16, it didn't pass by like 48.7% uh, approved of it, but it just, it was one of the only states, if not the only to have not passed legalization when it was actually on the ballot. And so they're retrying it again this year. It seems like it's going to pass. It's one of those states that has long been a Republican state to where, you know, if Trump really thinks that this is going to be the issue that could help him make sure that he wins that all of a sudden swing state, 
you know, it, you, I think you could see him try and embrace it a little bit, at least from the state level there in Arizona. So where I was going before, before I was interrupted on Ann's little thing there, um, was that once we get to a certain amount of states, I think it's like two thirds of the states have legalized it, then it, it, you'll see it move to a more federal vote. So I think that's what we're going to look at when it comes to cannabis. I don't think it's going to happen anytime before that. Well, I, you know, to, and to, to continue the analogy with prohibition, um, bringing it right back to you, Phil. Thanks. Um, you know, <laughs> Uh, prohibition, you know, was, or, or the repeal of prohibition, um, you know, in many ways was a, a huge help to the recovery of the economy after the, um, the Great Depression. So, um, you know, by, by legalizing it um, in the 1930s, 33, 34, whenever it was legalized, um, you know, that helped fund the New Deal efforts, which helped put this country back, you know, on a on a path to recovery. So there's no reason why you, you could look at something like cannabis and, and say that it it wouldn't do the same thing. Right. Well, you know, can it help us get all the way out of this? No, no. But, and, and neither did neither did alcohol. Right. But, but can it help? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, totally. Just like looking at taxes that were gained from legalized cannabis. In California in 2019 was 239 million. Uh, there was a recent report where the first half of 2020 taxes collected in California were were 155 million, which is up 16% from last year. And through the first two and a half years um, of legalization, tax revenues were roughly 20% higher than initially announced, and that total it was over 500 million. So, and that's just California. So, yeah, you can imagine. And just I think California, remember, just the fifth largest economy in the world. But yeah, uh, you know what I'm saying. But 500 million yes. bucks. That's it. And that's it's where nothing to sneeze at for well, sure. And that's with 85 percent of municipalities don't want it in their, you know. Well, and and it's also with a thriving black market that's three times the size. So imagine converting the the illicit market over, you know, and reaping in some of those tax dollars as well. So there needs to be, um, you know, more action done to combat the biggest hurdle in, especially in a state like California, is the illegal market. Yeah, and oh, go ahead, Phil. Well, I was going to say that, that that's happening. Like that, le- the illicit market is slowly converting over to the legal market. Very slowly. Very slow. Yeah, but that's you have these players that are out there that are coming out with like a, you know, not as an expensive price product. They're coming out with something that's more reasonable for the the consumer, um, and that's that's going to attract more people into the space. You know, it, nobody's going to go into a store and buy an $8,000 Canagar, right? Like maybe, who knows? There, some people might, but it, my friends aren't, you know, they're going to go in and they're going to buy, you know, what's the most reasonably priced thing or whatever I tell them to buy. If Nick, I, what were you going to say? Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, even beyond just the, the tax dollars that would, that would be generated from it. It's think about all the jobs that would be created. How many people have lost their jobs, especially from that, um, you know, the service service type jobs that restaurants and different things like that. If you, if you le- start legalizing cannabis in all these different States or across the country, you're going to put a ton of people um, back on that are currently on the job market into a position where they have skills that are maybe not directly related to cannabis, but can easily be translated to that. And mm-hmm. then you're going to have them, you're going to, you know, put people to work. You're going to create innovation by having these people discover a new industry. You're going to see something just thrive. So like you're going to generate money and you're going to generate jobs. Like, I don't see how this isn't a winning issue. And, 
And I, I mean, we've all been to our share of, of dispensaries, of grows, and, um, you know, I, it's rare that I've seen an industry as conscious of contamination and as clean as, as this industry is. I mean, every grow I've gone to, um, you know, you are, you are completely covered head to toe. Um, yeah. you know, every time I'm in a, even during COVID, you know, one of the, the, the safest, the places I felt most safe was going to my dispensary. I mean, they were incredibly strict, much stricter than my grocery uh, store. It's like, um, the, it's like so, the grows had, the grows were more prepared for COVID than anybody they, else was. They were, they a hundred percent were because the, the regulations for, you know, across the board are so strict that they, you know, have already built in these, these, you know, from the, from the HVAC units to the, um, to the testing, to, to everything. It is, it is an inherently safe, um, place to work, which is also a benefit uh -huh. these days, right? Absolutely. So I want to um, turn the conversation to um, the social justice side of it. Um, you know, we've that's been another huge theme of of 2020, um, you know, and in terms of of social justice as it pertains to cannabis. Um, I think we've seen some some good progress, but there's still so, there there's still such a long way to go. Um, and we know that some people, you know, are, are even holding up some of the movement forward um, to ensure that that the that their communities are are taken care of, and that things like um, like uh, um, Nick, help me out here. Uh, it, um, incarcerations yeah. are, um, expunged records are expunged uh -huh. is what I'm trying to get at. Um, so, I mean, I think that we're at, we're at a moment here. Do you think cannabis as an industry can rise to this moment? Absolutely. I think, you know, you've seen since March, especially with COVID that all the, all the companies that have been getting involved with the last prisoners project that have, you know, been, um, creating hand sanitizer to put in jails to, uh, make sure that the prisoners have that you've seen just, uh, the lobbying that's happened, um, for them to talk with their local representatives about, you know, as if you're going to legalize cannabis, like make sure that you're including social reforms. You're seeing the legislators like make that a, a big point. Like I alluded to what's been going on in New Jersey and New York. I think, it, it, it's it's part of why the cannabis industry has been slow to mature over these last couple of years. You're seeing it explode, but I think there's still that holdup that's happening because of social reforms and the the activists that have gotten all of this to this point. You know, it ha it's not you know the acreages of the world or the chronoses of the world that have actually advanced cannabis to the point where it can do this. It's the activists that have been around this for decades, pushing this forward, particularly targeting the war on drugs and these incarcerations. And they're still here. They're still in the ear of those legis those legislators. And so I think you know it may not be the businesses that are doing it, but you are going to see those activists make sure that that's going to be uh, the key part of making federal cannabis or statewide cannabis legalization happen. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I hope you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so looking, looking forward to, to business trends, um, you know, Phil, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but, um, if you can give us a, a capital markets overview of the first half of the year, you have access to some of these reports, um, you know, from the analysts, can you give us a little, um, insight into, into what you're seeing and hearing on the street, as they say, on the street? Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I on the street from your basement <laughs> next to your Peloton. What you hearing down there? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So capital raisings, um, you know, th- these are all reports that I've, I've seen from analysts and from, um, you know, other groups that are out there. Um, the first half of 2019, there were total raises of like 5.5 billion. First half of 2020, it's 2.2 billion. Um, the average raise was 24 billion for the first half of 2019. Um, First half of 2020, 17 million. So, you know, we're definitely seeing a slowdown there. But, um, you know, what has certainly been popular here um, and which will probably end up being my Halloween costume for for 2020 is um, SPACs. You know, <laughs> SPACs are definitely. How does one dress like <laughs> yeah, a SPAC? Yeah, how, how are you going to be a SPAC? <laughs> I can get creative. Trust me. On this one. Um, they are we'll, certainly. We'll, we'll definitely have a visual of that for all of the Green Rush fans. <laughs> um, you know, there's been since the third quarter of 2019, there's been over $2 billion of capital raised for SPAC IPOs. Uh, you know, some of the bigger ones that come to mind, you know, uh, Clever Leaves, obviously, Schultze, um, Collective Growth and Green Rose both raised over $150 million each. So, uh, you know, between March, uh, actually March 2019 and May 2020, um, there were 11 cannabis and hemp-focused SPAC, uh, SPACs that raised more than $2.6 billion. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, um, that's what we've been seeing. That seems to be the hot trend. You know, we've seen some pretty big implosions here uh, over the last year. Um, you know, I, I definitely don't want to call anybody out on this Santhus or anybody, you know. Is that also why you're in your basement? <laughs> yes, I'm hiding. No. Um, but, um, you know, I think you see the guys that are out there doing the right thing with the experienced management teams that um, are, are doing it the right way. And they're they're continuing to grow their companies the right way. Um, you, you see the big players in the space like uh, GTI out there continue to grow their company, True Leaf. Um, you see these big M&A transactions that are happening. You know, uh, the Cure Leaf and Select one closed this year, Cure Leaf and Grassroots. Um, we had Origin House and Cresco. Um, you know, there's certainly a lot going on from that standpoint. And I think you're going to see a lot continue on in the second half of, tw- well, maybe not the, the rest of 2020, uh, but into 2021. I think some of these smaller players that have a following get taken out by some of these bigger guys. And then, you know, we're going to be down to like four or five national players here in the next like two to three years. And do those companies you think run any real risk to the Canadian LPs? Like once say there's some, you know, legal way that they can enter the U S you know, are those, are those U S companies at, at, uh, well, this goes back to the whole point of like the Canadian guys aren't coming in here until it's legal federally, right? That's not going to happen. And if this continues to play out where it's just going to be state by state and allows these guys to grow, like you still, we still have New Jersey that hasn't gone, New York, Pennsylvania, like you have companies like GTI and and Cureleaf that could certainly increase their their footprint across, uh, across the U.S. by adding more dispensaries in those states once these uh, states become legal, but it all depends on how the states, once they do become legal, cause they will become legal. Um, 
it depends on what kind of limitations uh, they put on these companies, like from the number of- Like in terms the, of ownership? Yeah, stuff. like what kind of, how many dispensary licenses they can have, how many cultivation, it, it all depends. But, um, you know, uh, is there going to be a big merger? I, I don't know. There was some rumblings earlier. Oh, rumors. Well, yeah, you know, like a GTI and a True Leaf. Uh, hooking up here um that which that would that would be very big but i i don't i don't, I don't know like an africa rumor out there too uh, i can't remember who it was them merging with um, yeah but that was up you know it was uh africa and aurora up in, uh, that's right that's right up in canada so i i don't know i don't i i think you know canopy is it has has played their hand with uh the the acreage deal um, but I, I don't think any the, I don't think any of the U.S. operators have anything to worry about um, when it comes to the Canadian guys. These Canadian guys can't get out of their own. Well, not all of them, but some of them can't get out of their own way. <laughs> well, that was. A, are you doing this on purpose? Because that's what we were going to talk about next. Um, so thanks for the transition. Uh, so in terms of Canada, and and then we can kind of hit the international market briefly. But um, you know, cannabis 2.0 has rolled out, um, but the the stores have not really kept up with the products. So um, Ontario, I think, is at 150 uh, storefronts now. And they hope to be the to basically double that by the end of the year. Um, and there is data that's showing that uh, Canadian consumers are are willing to expand their their options. Um, they want more choices. They want more products. Um, uh, we heard yesterday, I believe that. Um, uh, 2.0 products make are making up 27% of sales. Did I get that right? I don't remember, Phil. Am I, I right there? I don't we'll remember. fact check that. Um, and, and you know, I had said initially during our our you know banter before this call that I, I was surprised it was so low. But but you guys kind of made me think that you know it's actually pretty high given the the constraints in the marketplace, um, the fact that you know a lot of these storefronts aren't open. There's a huge hiccup when it comes to delivery. Um, so I guess what do you guys see? Um, will the Canadians get out of their own way? I don't know, because, yeah, they're going to double the amount of dispensaries, but they're still not having delivery in Ontario. And and they, they had well, and 300 stores for the whole province? Like, well, right now it's only 150. You know, it's two years yeah, past uh, their right. legalization. Yeah. It, right. And you have Alberta that has almost 520 uh, with a third of the population. Yeah. So that, but, we're, you know, we're just talking Ontario there. But um, Canadian households are spending money on legal cannabis. They spent almost $650 million bucks, um uh, I think that was during Q2 uh, of this year. So um, is it, I don't know if that's correct. That might, I'll have to fact check that, but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's a, uh, that's a big number. Yeah. I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, cannabis 2.0 has been, been a success so far. Consumers are realizing that like, Hey, they, they like to have variety in product. They like to have, you know, different consumable options that they're used to, whether it be, you know, drinks or different gummies and stuff. And as these vapes. more, yeah, vapes, as, the, as, as these products start becoming more available, just because there's going to be more storefronts, you're going to see just customers, I think, going nuts for this stuff. And, yeah. um, you know, well, the, that was a problem though, right? At the beginning yeah. of the year where they just couldn't, because there, you know, there's a few dispensaries that I visited in Toronto when I was up there in January. And, um, I was like, yeah, you know, I'd just like to see what kind of edible products you have. And they're like, oh, you should have been here last Wednesday at, at six o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, why? They're like, well, that's when we had the line outside and we were sold out and we opened up. I was like, 
okay, smart ass. But you know, it's like, <laughs> that's the, like, they were selling out quick. And the thing is, it's like per package, I, they have like a limitation on the amount of milligrams and you know what they can sell. And it was like 10 milligrams per package or whatever. But um, you know, they, it's like every legalized cannabis market. There are challenges. They are working their way through them. Um, you know, Ontario is hoping to get up to 300 um, stores open by the end of the year. So it's, you know, we'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. But, it, you know, there are great products that are up there. And um, from the clients that we're talking to, and there's a lot of exciting things that are happening in Ontario or in Canada as well. So I'm excited to see what happens, especially I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to the drinks and how those are all going to play out. I really free the six pack. That's right. <laughs> that is right. Free the six pack. <laughs> I will. Uh, and we'll, in the show notes, we'll include uh, an article about what free the six pack means. Um, so let's pivot to other countries. Um, I, you know, top of mind is, um, you know, New Zealand. Uh, they are, I bet you didn't think I was going to go there. Uh, they are holding a referendum in October, uh, to ask voters to decide whether prohibition should end. Um, and those, uh, those dollars transition to, uh, the regulated economy. Um, and that could be really important for Australia. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I think that, that the, Australia, New Zealand, that kind of area of the world, um, you know, is also the gateway to Asia. Um, and so, what do you guys think about, you know, that, that part of the world? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Or other parts of the world that, that are not Australia? <laughs> I mean... What a great question that was, Anne. I, I mean, could probably do that again. It, it's, it's exciting to see these, these nations actually, you know, these nations stand up with their progressive bona fides and be like, they're running on the platform and then they're following through on it. And so I, am sure that the New Zealand uh, population will probably pass this referendum and that Australia will probably follow suit. It feels like those two countries um, love to be compared to one another. And I'm sure that if we have any listeners there, they just love to be grouped <laughs> they together love it all when the we time. Group, when we group them. So right. yeah, as New Zealand goes, Australia will, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. We're going to get lots of nasty emails from <laughs> yeah. Australia. But bring it, bring it. Address it to Lewis Goldberg. Yeah, Lewis, <laughs> all complaints can go to Lewis. But yeah, I think, you know, you're, you're going to see those nations, you know, legalize here soon. And then I think what's next is you're going to see countries like Italy and Germany and um, the rest of the EU start to, you know, accept that this is happening. We're seeing that Germany uh, is making a bunch of different supply agreements with, with companies in South America and in Canada. And so, yeah, I think you're seeing progress there. It's just like, being in the United States, it's like, we like to call ourselves the leaders of the world. We like to say like we're on top of innovation, but we're, we're seeding this ground to these other countries and allowing them to, um, you know, upstart their own, own industries in their countries. And that's going to mean a lot of lost opportunity for these U S companies that have aspirations to go global. But, you know, it's exciting that these other countries are willing to take the lead on this issue. And so, um, I was already planning on, you know, we're, rescheduling our honeymoon and we were going to go to New Zealand and Australia next year, as long as everything's legal. So, um, you know, I'm excited. About you mean that. legal in terms of us to travel or legal in terms of what their cannabis policy is? Both. <laughs> Got it. Um, you know, last year, uh, I went to cannabis Europa last June and, um, my, our other colleague, uh, Lily Barker and I, we actually interviewed Crispin Blunt, 
who's been at the forefront there in the UK on trying to get um, cannabis, cannabis legalized. And it, we actually did an episode of the Green Rush that I don't think was ever published. Was it? I don't think so. No, I don't think we did publish that. Yeah, I don't think we did either. Thanks, guys. Why? Anyways. Yeah, we'll take that offline. Yeah, so this, this, so this is episode... But we love you, Lily. This is episode 151. Um, <laughs> 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 no, but when we were speaking with him, we asked him straight out. We're like, listen, like, where do you see this in the next five years? And um, he, was, he told us, he's like, listen, we're going to monitor what Canada does for the next five years, and then we'll make a decision then. I'm like, so there's not going to be anything that happens here in terms of moving Canvas forward? He was like, no. So, um, well, okay. Yeah. You know, maybe they'll, they'll, there'll be some, uh, they'll make some headway over there, but I don't, you know, I'm not holding my breath or I'll be the blue guy in the corner <laughs> in the basement by my Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> um so the last thing I kind of wanted to, to talk about are some highlights. So um, we've had 150 episodes. Nick, it's been three years, which I can't believe. Yeah, oh right? my God. Yeah, it'll be three years in October. Yeah. So, um, you know, there are a ton of highlights from, from the last three years, um, but I guess I have recency bias, um, and my personal favorite was Kevin Smith. Um, and I think it's cause I'm a Jersey girl. I think, um, it was just one of those interviews that, um, our producer Shay was just like furiously texting us, like, let him speak, run, just go with it. And it wound up being like an hour and a half or something crazy like that. Um, and he was so passionate and he was so in the moment. Um, and he was so just with us. And like a lot of times, you know, there's people that just call it in. We're part of their press junket and that's cool. Like that's your job. Um, but it was just one of those interviews that I just felt um, I was super jazzed about while we were doing it. I was even more jazzed about it after the fact. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, cool dude. Yeah. Kevin Nick, Smith is the best. Yours? Silent Bob, man. Um, Bob. <laughs> my, my favorite stuff over the last one, 150 episodes have been the, the politicians that we've gotten on specifically, you know, um, Liz Kruger, who's the New York state Senator. We've had Earl Blumenauer on a couple of times. We had uh, former Senator Tom Daschle on, and I, I'm a politics junkie. And so I, I love to hear those conversations and, um, get an idea of like the inner workings. Like one of my favorite episodes is, you know, where, and you and Lewis were talking with Congressman Blumenauer. I think this is maybe around the 2018 election. And Lewis was really giving him the business about like, you know, why isn't cannabis like being a bigger thing on here? And, you know, hearing his explanation about it, that, you know, that there's able to do more than one thing at a time. Like, I think that really puts it into perspective because we can get very insular in like, you know, the conversation we were having earlier, it's like, well, cannabis is a winning issue. Why aren't all these people just trying to, to advocate on it? And so I think it, I love it when we bring those people in there and get kind of the behind the scenes look of what's actually happening to make this uh, a reality. Phil. Um, oh, hands down. It's it, Jim Belushi. First down because Ann, you and I got to interview him. And, yeah, uh, awesome. <laughs> you know, and that's that, on video too. That, that is on video. And he started singing and oh, it, it was amazing. Great. And Jim, if you're listening, I'm 
Ann and I are still hoping for an invite to that party next year, my friend. And we're also hoping for the safety of his farm and his people and the people of Oregon are really struggling up there. So, um, you know, we've been in touch with a lot of our, our friends up there and the situation is not good. So we certainly wish everyone, Absolutely. Um, you know, good health and, and safety. Um, okay. So, so dream guests, um, I have a dream guest. Um, my dream guest is Rick Steves who is the, the travel writer for PBS um, and self-proclaimed nerd. Uh, and I love his books and I love his show. And he is um, a huge proponent for cannabis um, and social justice issues uh, and just all around a cool guy that I would love to, to have on the pod in the next, let's say, year. I think for me, it's got to be Kamala. You know, I think she's so divisive within this community about like, what is it that she actually is going to do um, in, in the role as VP or if she ends up staying in the Senate, if Donald Trump wins again, like, what is she going to do? How much is she effort is she going to put behind it? And, you know, how is she going to atone for her past actions as attorney general? Well, you stole what I was going to say, Nick, but I, I, I was actually, I was going to say whoever wins in the fall slash first quarter of 2021. Oh yeah. Donald Trump. Come on on. Either, you know, just listen, Joe Rogan's out there pitching them. Why can't we? Right. So let's. Uh, uh, Kaylee McEnany, if you're listening, please, we would love to interview DJT. Bring it. So yeah, I think um, who knows? We'll see what happens. All right. Well, guys, this was so fun. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. You know, we are so, you know, honored that that you guys, um, you know, have spent time with us over the past 150 episodes. Um, you know, I, I just want to, I'd be remiss if I did not send some thanks out to people who have supported us um, along this journey. Um, certainly the partners at KZSA, um, Lewis Goldberg, Jeffrey Goldberger, Todd Fromer, um, our producer, Shay Gunther, uh, Tiffany Rutowski, um, and her social media team, Derek Friday, who's helping us with our newsletter, um, you know, and, and you guys, Nick Opich, my, my producer, my partner in crime. Um, you know, I, I could not do this without you. And I'm so happy to have you by my side. Um, you just, you bring confidence, you bring, uh, passion, you bring joy to this podcast. And I thank you very much. And Phil, you're pretty okay. Thanks. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Phil Carlson, my work BF, um, you know, we are in the trenches together, um, you know, in our, in our work life. Um, and I'm looking forward to you spending a little bit more time with us on the pod. Um, we love having you. We love the perspective you bring. Um, and, and the go bills. Thanks. <laughs> go bills. And we love you, Anne. You're awesome. Oh, You're awesome. Thanks. You've been on pretty much every episode, I think, if not maybe like 10 out, out of 150. Think, yeah, so like you are the marathoner when it comes to all of this. So, um, yes. congratulations to you in particular. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Again, so honored that you guys spend the time with us. Um, you know, we love the conversations we have um, and, and we're learning just as much as you guys are, are hopefully learning too. Um, and we just wanted to share a few things that are that are new and some things that you can expect to see um, in the next couple of months and certainly the next year. Uh, we are starting up the newsletter again. So if you want to subscribe, please email us at greenrush at kcsa.com. We also have a YouTube channel um, and we were also filming this episode so you can 
can see our smiling faces. But we've got some great content up there from our interviews with Jim Belushi, um, Earl Blumenauer, um, and I think we've got a couple more. So we're going to be dipping in and out of the, the YouTube thing um, and, and see how that works. Um, lastly, we are exploring merch. So if you are interested in a Green Rush t-shirt, a Green Rush hat, a Green Rush sticker, uh, whatever, drop us a note and tell us what you'd like to see. Um, and okay, really, really, really lastly, we love our social media channels um, managed by the Offany, awesome, the Offany, managed by the awesome Tiffany or Offany. Uh, so please check us out on Twitter with the handle at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the under, at, ready? Or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast. Uh, and please don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. That's one take, Shay. One take. Cannabis! Cannabis!